listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and today we're talking about all things organization and the Enneagram. So happy to have a wonderful guest with me in a few minutes, Lori Pillow of Simply Be Organized. She is fantastic. She has Enneagram and Clutter courses. She has courses for people who also run courses on organizing. And Lori is a successful mom and wife. She is an eight in a three eight marriage. And I love talking to her because she's energizing and she has very hands on simple strategies that you can use in your relationship in your home right away that you can take from today's podcast. And even if you're already a parent, you can bring them into your child's life as well. So I'm going to be all ears with you guys too, because this is a place that I definitely struggle in and it does have to do with your personality type. I know Lori also has a fantastic quiz that you can take as well that helps you to know where is your clutter. And mine was calendar clutter because I obviously stay very busy as a seven and as a mom with a very social family. So it's always on my mind and that's why I lean towards the self-preserving. But it's so good for you to notice where are you struggling so you can head back in that other direction. Similarly, when we talked with Molly Owens of Truity last week and we were talking about which types we most resonate with, the type that I came up with was five because I'm always needing to pull back into that five space from my old social seven days when I was doing everything and not knowing how to say no. So whether you're a social seven and you're learning to say no, or you're a five or whatever your type is, Lori's going to share some great tips with all of us. And then we're going to leave in the show notes, some beautiful ways that you can get to know Lori in the future. And she has some wonderful free videos, as well as like I said, courses, if you're like, I need an overhaul. So super happy about that. And she has a podcast with over 250 episodes. If you're a total podcaster, and you just want daily energy or daily or organizational tips. So that's what's going on here today. And as we start season three, we're getting organized in our relationships. And this is fun that we can next week talk about finances. So you guys are in for a treat with just shaping up our year as we move into fall. A couple of quick announcements for our podcast listeners are don't forget that there's a really fun, absolutely free seminar conference going on with the Wholehearted Enneagram Instagram account. And I'm leaving that in the show notes as well. So you can sign up and you can do the paid event as well if you want to keep the different talks and have access and all access pass. But I'm so glad I'll be speaking on the Enneagram Glow there. And there's a bunch of Enneagram speakers. And then also more fall learning for those like me who love virtual learning. October has the All Things Enneagram Conference with InterVarsity Press. So I'm happy I'm part of that as well. And I really had a great time just getting to know the InterVarsity group. And as you know, their wonderful books are out. And this last week, the five in the six book came out. So if you're waiting on those or you had them on pre-order, I'm sure we're all enjoying starting to dig in and getting those books. And even though we have an eight guest today, we haven't had our hands on the eight book yet. So be patient. We're so thankful for our eights, our fives and our sixes and getting to learn about them too in those awesome devotionals. So as a world, I know this has 
been a stressful week. So I'm just wanting to comment on that, that I'm praying for our community and our world this week. We've had a lot of news coming out of Afghanistan and also Florida where I live has been having some major issues. So keep praying for those of us in these places that maybe have COVID centered issues going on. I know that's been the bulk of our issues last week with some losses and my husband having to hospitalize a lot of people and just trying to balance at home and trying to, you know, when you're in situations like this, you're grieving and then you're trying to come back up so you can help others. So pray for the community of Florida. Obviously, Afghanistan has greater, bigger issues that everybody's dealing with. Continue to pray for wisdom if you're a person who prays and we will continue to do our best with our communities. So I want to remind you of a couple things. If you're struggling and you're wondering, what do I do amidst these big world tragedies? You need to keep doing your life. And don't forget, we always talk about how you first take time to grieve, to lament. Then you take time to spend in gratitude for what you do have. And then you get into planning. So if there are certain movies or shows that are triggers for you, then maybe wait on those. If there are certain people that hanging out with them feels traumatizing to you because they maybe disagree with you politically and it's too intense, then maybe you take some time to say, you know, we'll get together next month, but for a month we're going to lay low. Or maybe you're having panic attacks and you're really struggling with depression like some of my clients have been lately. And I want to remind you of, of course, making sure you're working with a helper if this is you. That is awesome. I hope you're doing that. And I also want to remind you of a fun app that is very helpful in times like this when you just need a minute's break. And the pause app is a fantastic app as well for times like this when you're just like, I need a little micro rest. I need to breathe. I'm forgetting to breathe. So I'm going to leave that also in the show notes. So lots of goodies as we get organized, as we do virtual learning, as we remember to pause and to pray so that you guys can feel like amidst the trials that are happening in the world, I'm still working on my relationships and I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing versus perseverating on fear. And I don't think any of us really want to do that. One of the funny things that I've been doing for Wes since he's had such a stressful time. And I feel kind of bad about this, but I I did tell him and fess up to what I was doing. I uh, He was going for sonic little slushes at evenings, a couple nights a week or a few nights a week. And he was so excited because they were sugar free. And some of you guys who are listening know he's a type one and he was just so excited. He's like, oh my gosh, I'm going to go get my pretzel and cheese and sugar free slush. <laughs> so one day I got one when he wasn't with me and I was with the kids in the drive through and I said, you know, whatever the sugar free slush my husband told me about and they were like oh in our sonic at least they're like our slushes are none of them are sugar-free but all of our drink mixtures that we put in are sugar-free so I felt so bad because here he'd been drinking these sugary drinks and finally getting a load off of these super stressful days at work and losses and so I finally fessed up this weekend and said you know, honey, I just need to tell you that those are not sugar-free because I didn't want to tell him. So I let him drink them for a couple weeks while knowing that. And he was so excited and proud of it. But then he's like, you know what? He's like, I know I found out two days ago. And I was like, 
were you mad at me that I didn't tell you? And he's like, no, I'm actually glad you let me live in my illusion for a little bit. So it was funny. And you have to do a bit of a dance with your spouse so that you guys can figure out what works as you're doing your quirky Enneagram routes to finding yourselves better than ever, we hope, and finding yourselves baby stepping your way. And we are just taking little steps together to make sure that we are going ahead and grieving when we need to, going ahead and remembering gratitude and going ahead and remembering to press on forward with our awesome goals that I hope you have. And I really hope you're also getting fitness and self-care. I can't think of a better time to remind you of that. As I mentioned last time, we were really and still are enjoying Cassie Ho of The Blog Lotties. And my nine and I are, I think on day eight today of her toning her 21 day challenge. So it's a fun little calendar and you're supposed to cross it off. And my nine is really good about crossing it off. And I'm more like, I just want to do the workouts. If I do them, I feel really good. They're 21 minutes and I'm still trying to get to the gym with Wes in the morning, sometimes just for a very quick one mile, but it's probably equaling out about 45 minutes of workout a day and it feels really good and it doesn't feel like overdoing. So figure out where your happy place is of not overdoing and try to stay right there because you need to be fit. You don't need to be overdoing at all. And for most of us in any given season, fitting in five to seven minutes is doable. And if you're a little bit able to fit in a little bit more then and I'd say anyone 40 plus like us, it's better to fit in a little bit more. And that's why we're doing it because we're like, we want to work. We want, we're not going for like perfect bodies, but we want our bodies to work. And we're also spending some of that time just stretching because my daughters in dance have taught me the importance of stretching as a huge critical piece of mobility. So I'm not gonna get all OT and PT on you, but I do want you to remember that self-care includes your fitness And I don't want you to forget that or sleep or especially these mental aspects of really stepping forward into your game. So let's let Lori teach us about stepping forward into our game even more as we talk about the Enneagram and organization today. And then at the end, like I said, don't forget the show notes where they have all the goodies. Hi, I'm so glad to have you on the Enneagram and Marriage podcast today, Lori. I am so excited to be here. Oh, well, I just love your pairing. Everyone is going to get so energized today because you are the eight, three pairing. And we have already talked about this pairing from the opposite where the female was the three, the male was eight. So I can't wait to get into that just a little bit, but to be honest, I'm so excited to talk about you and getting organized this year. Oh my gosh. It's (laughs) It is fun. And knowing the Enneagram and how that plays into people's organizing styles and clutter styles has been a game changer in my, not just in my professional life, but in my family and in my marriage. So I'm very excited to talk to you about eights, threes, Enneagram, organizing, you name it. Oh, yay. I love it. Yes, we will organize as we go. So we have our questions before us as always. But what I love is that we can also route around if you feel like there are things I did not ask you because I know my listeners are with me. We have not talked about this in two years. So we are on a new season and we are actually taking bits and pieces that we've missed. And one of them is doing a show 
on organization. And I had somebody ask me for this show. And then of course, knowing you and how you tie it in with Enneagram, it's a home run. So tell me, Lori, about the ways that you and your hubby work first as that eight, three. So we get an idea of your marriage dynamic a little bit, and maybe a bit about how you got started. Sure. First of all, I've known the Enneagram for about five years. So prior to that, I had no knowledge. I was always interested in personality typologies. I had studied Myers-Briggs and I'm no, you know, I disc and strength finders and all the things, but never familiar with the Enneagram. So I knew certain characteristics and traits about my personality and my husband's personality and how we complement each other and then how we can also butt heads. But really, once I learned the Enneagram, it was completely eye-opening, which I'm sure that your listeners are well aware of. Mm. But in terms of my, how we like have lived our lives as a couple, I have two grown kids. So I have a almost 21 year old and an 18 year old. Mm-hmm. And so when my kids were little, my husband traveled a ton and I knew that the only way that I could live my life and do the things without losing my mind was to have a sense of structure and organization. And that went from everything from organizing my pantry to organizing our routines and nap schedules to the best of my ability and bedtimes and all the things, because that gave me freedom. That was the bottom line is it was less about the aesthetic and more about the freedom that organization gave to me. Mm. And, and it really just stemmed from a way that I was able to see life and now knowing the Enneagram and how the eight brain works and how I've been able to use the gifts that I have to help structure organization and lead other people into finding systems and strategies that work for them. But I was just kind of figuring it out as I went along and I wasn't afraid of trial and error. And so I was like, what is the best way for me to accomplish my goals? Mm -hmm. Now, my husband being a three without knowing it was always like, what's the shortest way that we can get this done? Yeah. And we used to butt heads because although I process information really quickly and I'm able to execute things pretty quickly, mm-hmm. I always had, I, I used kind of that thinking part of my brain mm. quite a bit. So I was yeah. really that doing thinking combination yeah. was very strong. Okay. And my husband as a three would mindlessly put stuff away because he despised clutter. He didn't like clutter. And so he would just get rid of things, but without thought process, it would just be like, we just need to get it away. And as I started getting more into my profession and really helping other people and articulating the process, not just doing it, you know, it's kind of like, okay, when you are doing a recipe and you just throw in a little bit of that and a little bit of this, you can do that. But when you start teaching other people to do it, you have to know the steps, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I, when I started organizing for other people, I started have to really documenting the steps. What's the process that we're doing? Really the key that I always tell people is the whole purpose of organizing is for the ease of retrieval. Mm. You want to put stuff away so that when you do need it, you know where to go to get it. 
Mm. And that was the problem for my husband as a three. He was so fixated on the putting it away because he didn't want to see it. And it was giving him this like visceral, like, I don't want to see this clutter. It's ang- yes. it's anxiety producing, yes. but without giving the thought to, okay, where, if I need it, where do I go to get it? And I never really, again, not knowing the Enneagram, I just thought that was something about him. And then Mm -hmm. as I started learning about the Enneagram Mm -hmm. and talking to other threes and bringing, kind of connecting the dots between my work with clutter and the Enneagram, I started realizing that there are some patterns, not stereotyping all threes Mm -hmm. as this, but a lot of the threes that I talked to were had similar reactions, dealt with clutter similarly. So some of the approaches and strategies that I was using needed to be tweaked. And so it helped us a lot in our marriage, specifically in the role of organization clutter, among other things. Mm. Oh, that's really cool. You, You guys really had to find your way through experience, it sounds like, because it wasn't like everything came completely natural to you, even though the energy piece did. Is that right? Yeah. And, you know, talking about the energy piece, it's, it's interesting because there's, we complement each other really, really Mm. well Mm. in a lot of ways. Um, But we also see things, there are very distinct differences as well, Mm. you know, and I know for myself, a lot of the work that I do is very, uh, stance heavy. So, mm-hmm. you know, we're both in the aggressive stance. We both have, we're both very future oriented. That orientation to time piece serves mm-hmm. us both well. Mm-hmm. Um, we're both very driven in our careers. And so all of that mm-hmm. has served us well in our marriage because my husband's, you know, I guess we're both somewhat workaholics to a degree, but, you know, he was mm-hmm. out of the house working more where I was juggling, especially when the kids were younger, mm-hmm. career and running the bulk of the family stuff. But because we both had that drive, mm-hmm. there was always this mutual respect and there was never any martyr piece or jealousy piece or any of that. So we really kind of worked well in that sense. And so that was never a problem wow. um, for us. We had other, you know, like any marriage, we all other had other bumps in the roads, but I saw because I think we were in sync in that way, we were able to um, be compatible in some areas that would be very stressful in other marriages. Oh, that's nice to find where in your marriage, you're like, we have our stuff, but this is actually super cool that we had this as a strength. That's really cool. Tell us more about like, what would you say now that you've learned that, like, for three and eight couples kind of just making their way through the world with their unstoppable energy, what would you say to them to help them? Well, I think being aware is really important, but what I think is also important is because we're both like big in the room people Mm -hmm. and because we both are in that aggressive stance, we don't always realize how we come across to other people. So as much as we could be a power couple and dominant in some ways, that mm. could also work against us, especially in parenting. So I have two, we have two kids and they're both in the withdrawing stance. Mm. And now, like, I wish I knew the Enneagram when they were small because I would have had so much more patience and grace. Mm. And mm-hmm. I think it was hard for them to have two parents in the aggressive stance. Like we got stuff done. Don't make no mistake. Like we got stuff done in this house, but 
we were moving at the speed of light and our kids were just a lot of times they were, they were just coming, like trying to come up for air. <laughs> Cause it was almost like they were drinking from a fire hose because we were 10 steps ahead. Yes. Oh, that is really insightful about just anyone listening whose kids um, are getting older and you're wondering, should I teach them the Enneagram? I think it's per child, but what's helpful is when you see those tendencies and you can say, I can see at least that they're in the withdrawing stance. And so with us both, both being this, or one of us being this and the other, that find out where your kids are. And of course, I want you to make sure you keep learning about the Enneagram yourself before you start teaching them. But I love what you're saying, Lori. And I just want to quickly say, Lori, um, do you think that knowing that they needed more rest and withdrawing, did that teach you how to rest a little bit? Well, let's just say no, (laughs) because I did not really learn the, okay. So, um, so, so there's two, there's two ways. So the short answer is no. Um, but I, I really kind of, I didn't really understand the depths of the Enneagram until my kids were mm-hmm. like late in their teens. Right. So my younger one may have, my younger one may have been 15 and, you know, my older one was, you know, 17, 18. So mm-hmm. like they were already cooked at that point, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. all of that, you know, all that damage was already done. So it was not like I could have put some of those practices into that. I, you know, that I wish I could have put into place. I hadn't now. Yes. Did I know certain characteristics of my kids um, when they were growing up and just not have any gram language for sure. Right. You know, absolutely. And, but I think for myself, I lacked a certain level of self-awareness of how I was perceived to other people that, um, that's something that I've in the past, you know, four plus years, as I've gone kind of deeper down the Enneagram rabbit hole, it's Mm -hmm. helped me to understand how I'm coming across. And also to understand things that used to annoy me about my husband. I was like, why does he do this? Why, you know, why does he think this way or whatnot? I've have a a lot more grace and patience. Yes. Yeah, that's really, really cool that you did see that. And that even though you're just being honest with our audience, that it took you time to learn how you come across to people. It is a very slow route. And the farther more, farther in you learn about your Enneagram type, the more humbled you are, but also the more you're willing to say, like, I accept me and I know I'm in process. So, oh, I love that. Absolutely. And the one thing I just wanted to add to what you said about whether you're teaching your kids about the Enneagram or not, I think obviously, but mm-hmm. I know for myself, again, my kids were older, so they were, I had them read about it and whatnot. And my one daughter was clear as day. The other daughter, it took her like, she thought she was this and then she thought she was that. And then she like, so it was a little bit grayer for her to f- kind of figure out her type, but it's really about knowing yourself first and with in my marriage you know you and your like you and your spouse figuring it out because if you can understand the strengths and struggles of your own enneagram types yeah. then you can still be a healthier parent even if you don't even if your kids are little and you don't have them typed or they are, aren't typed you knowing yourself you know okay i can come across as this or i need to lean into 
this a little bit more. So there's really so much with just knowing yourself and having a spouse that has some Enneagram knowledge. And my husband is not super into the Enneagram. I mean, he, you know, he's not drinking the Kool-Aid like I am, but he has some basic understanding and has done some reading because he knows that he's seen the work that I've done on myself Mm -hmm. and just leading by example has then really helped. Oh, that's awesome. That's what I always tell people too, is when your spouse sees you growing, that is so encouraging. And when they see you humbled in your growth process. So that's beautiful. What a great reminder, especially if you have an assertive or strong spouse, who's kind of got that body visceral response, like no, or not right now. It's nice Mm -hmm. to really allow them to find their own way to it. And, and also, even if they don't use the Enneagram, as we've shared on our show so much, and you just shared about your kids, you still, if you're in process and growing, you do a lot of that work outside of it. Um, quickly about the kids, before we move on to the organizing, you are another assertive type with withdrawing children. And I wanted to say that's my stance with my kids too. And it's something that's made me take pause generationally and wonder if we do a bit of flip-flopping back and forth between generations sometimes because of Mm. that. Yeah. That's interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. It's kind of, yeah, something I've been thinking about for a while. So I was glad you mentioned it. So let's talk about organizing because we are really looking for some special tips and I'm super impressed with your email sequence. Having one myself, that's much shorter. I love how you have our audience on a journey. So don't worry, guys. I'm going to make sure you get on it because she has a ton of free tips and a YouTube channel that she can share even more with you. But for now, I just want to ask you, tell me why Enneagram types matter when it comes to organizing. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much for that. Those kind words. I appreciate it. So I, when I first started organizing professionally, Mm-hmm. I realized pretty quickly that it wasn't just about the stuff. That clutter was really just the symptom of a bigger problem. And so that set me off to try to develop language around understanding clutter because so much of clutter isn't just the physical, it's the emotional part of it. Mm-hmm. And so over the years, so really I've been doing I started my business in 2009. So I, and I probably didn't learn the Enneagram till like the end of 2016. So there was a long part of my professional journey where I had no Enneagram language. So what I did is really develop a framework at that point where I would talk about people's relationship and I call it the relationship with clutter. And that there are three main parts of clutter. And I talk about this and I will, I'll give you a very like top level overview just so that our listeners have some context. Mm -hmm. So we talk about physical clutter, which is obviously the stuff that you see, Mm -hmm. you know, dishes in the sink, piles of mail, toys, papers, you name it. Mm -hmm. Then you have emotional clutter that comes from that guilt or fear, um, fear, the unknown or, like that, what if I need it mm-hmm. or, or my kid made this for me. So I feel bad getting rid of it or this cost a lot of money. So that kind of that guilt, emotional attachment. Mm-hmm. And then you have the third type of clutter, which is what I call calendar clutter. And that is 
I'm just so overscheduled. I don't have time to do the thing. So it's not like emotionally attached to it. Maybe I have stuff, maybe I don't have stuff, but I'm just, I'm, I'm burnt out. I'm overscheduled. I'm running a million miles an hour. I have more things on my calendar than I do time to accomplish them. And so that's where I began is just starting to help people identify where their dominant source of clutter are. Mm -hmm. And when I teach, I teach it as, and I, and I have a visual, I teach it as concentric circles because they're all related, right? They're not Mm -hmm. siloed. True. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but most people have a dominant type of clutter. And once you can do that, once you can name that, you can then to start to say, okay, so what strategies can I use to help me to understand the tactical part of that? Like, cause the tactical part's easy, right? You can say, which I teach, right? You have different piles. This is how you get rid of it. You group like with like all that tactical stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you don't understand why you're doing it and why, how you got in the spot in the first place, mm-hmm. you're just bound to continue repeating the poor behavior or the same struggles cycle, you know, continue, will continue to cycle over and over again. Mm-hmm. So once you can unpack it, and start to say, yes, this is where I'm struggling. You can then start working through this understanding process of how do I tackle emotional clutter? Cause it's going to be different than somebody that has calendar clutter. Mm-hmm. So that's really what I have spent the better part of my career doing. And so then the second layer is, okay, so now you know this, but then what do you do with this information? Right? So then you have that. So then I, in my, in my teaching, we'll go a step further. And we talk about the different types of clutter pitfalls that people fall into and the five main ones, I'll just rattle them off. But again, the, I have links to all this. If people want to go to my website, or like you said, YouTube or wherever. So their procrastination, which is that whole, I'll get to it later indecision, which is, I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to not do anything. Like I'll put it over here. Mm-hmm. Guilt, which is again, what we talked about with emotional clutter and guilt can oftentimes be interchanged with fear. So those two kind of go together and then overwhelm, which is, I want to do it, but I don't know where to start. I'm just overwhelmed with the whole process and then time. Okay. I know all these things, but how am I going to find the time to do it? Mm-hmm. And so when you look at this, then you can start developing that practical, tactical strategy. Mm-hmm. So then when the Enneagram came into the play and I started looking at the Enneagram really just through my own interest in self-discovery. When I first started reading about the Enneagram, I, I had no agenda or plan to necessarily incorporate it into my work. It was just, I was interested in it. Mm. And the more I read and the kind of the deeper, the rabbit hole I went in, Mm -hmm. I started to see these through lines, Mm. through lines between, again, people's, you know, where they're, where the, the different, the triads and the stances and the different characteristics of each individual Enneagram type. So you could look at it on a broader spectrum of stances, triads. Mm -hmm. You could look at, you know, again, my original kind of hypothesis in true, in the, actually the spirit of transparency was orientation to time. As I started thinking, huh, Mm -hmm. I wonder if people whose orientation to time 
was in the past to have a higher relationship with emotional clutter. I wonder if mm. people whose orientation to time is the future struggle more with calendar clutter. So that's really where the, it was kind of my own curiosity just stemmed from. Mm-hmm. And from there, I started doing research. I created a big focus group, started interviewing people. And that went me, that went down like a three-year process of developing really what I call like a framework to just use as a tool to Mm -hmm. say, here's the deal. I still believe in the the three different types of clutter and the five clutter pitfalls, Mm -hmm. but where the Enneagram piece comes in is the why certain people are procrastinating and the strategies that we're going to use are going to be different based on your Enneagram type. So you could have nine different people procrastinate of nine different Enneagram types. Mm-hmm. I'm not even including subtypes or tri-types or any of that. I'm just looking at your main core types yeah. and saying their reason for procrastinating are different. So the strategies to get them to have basically the buy-in for wanting to change their behavior is going to have to look different. Mm-hmm. Oh, that makes so much sense. And does it also factor in with the self-preserving and the social and the one-to-one as well? It does, but I will be honest in, because I really, I, I felt at least for this first iteration of the course that I've Mm -hmm. done, Mm -hmm. I didn't want to overwhelm people that are brand new to the Enneagram. And I felt like if I bogged them down with so, I mean, I look at the Enneagram like an onion and you just continue to peel back layers. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think the deeper you go with any type of knowledge, the more insightful it's going to be. So that's my short answer. Mm -hmm. However, the course really doesn't look at, or doesn't look at any of the different subtypes of any level. It really is just looking at your core number. And then it's looking at your triads. It's looking at your stances. There's a big emphasis on really looking at how can I try to balance those three centers of intelligence? Where is my, where is my repressed? Where can I lean in to my dominant center? Where can I try to build up my repressed center, where can I kind of work that muscle, you know, so to speak mm-hmm. in terms of helping me in the areas that I might be struggling? Because what I found over the years is there's so much shame around clutter and disorganization mm-hmm. and wow. certain Enneagram types. And again, I don't want to stereotype Oh, no, this is, but there are certain Enneagram types that I find struggle with physical clutter Mm -hmm. as well as calendar clutter Mm -hmm. because of the emotional components Mm -hmm. and navigating through that Mm -hmm. as well as really being perhaps doing repressed in certain ways and just being able to structure your time efficiently. So setting in guardrails. Again, it doesn't mean, and I'm super transparent in any of my teachings or, uh, or, you know, the course or or anything that I talk about on the website or on my podcast, 
it doesn't mean that you're destined to be super organized or you're destined to be a hot mess. Mm-hmm. You can, anybody, any Enneagram type can live an organized clutter-free life. Mm-hmm. It's just a matter of what strategies are you going to put in that make it sustainable for you? So you don't have to white knuckle your way through something Then mm-hmm. you can lean into it because we all know when something is comes naturally and is easy to us, it's easier for us to maintain it. When mm-hmm. something's really difficult or counterintuitive, we don't stick with it. Think about eating well or working out or anything. When right. it's really difficult, it's really hard. And we living an organized life is a lifelong journey, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to teach skills that are going to make sense mm-hmm. for you. Wow. Yes. And with some of us being, like you said, doing repressed, or I know some of us who are future oriented, like myself have issues. And then there's some that are even current focused, and then they're distracted by their inner critic or their warrior. Tell us a few tips that everybody can learn from, even if you have to nuance it a little bit, just in terms of finding the energy and managing, because we would love to have families have that sense of empowerment from this podcast. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great. And so one of the things it might seem obvious, I'm a big believer in routines. And again, a lot of people will look at routines as that structure, handcuffing them. And I look at routines as freedom. It gives me permission. It gives me permission to do things, know when I can do things and when I can't. And so many of us are so busy. And again, I just, it's so funny because I literally just wrote an article about, you know, adapting in this wake of change. A lot of people are going back into the office after being kids are going back into the classroom. Everything is changing. And so if you can start to develop a routine for your family and whatever that looks like. And if your people are somebody that needs a little bit more time, account for that time. Give yourself, I think sometimes people think routine equals rigidity and it doesn't have to. Routines can have flexibility, but starting to set some parameters, I think is really healthy for people. Mm -hmm. And I always tell people to lean into where their strengths are. And so if you're if you're a night owl, try to do as much as that like heavy lifting later in the evening. If you're a morning person, do it in the morning. I'm not somebody to come in here and say, this is the way to do it. And this is when you should do it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say, if you want to have these goals, if you want to have a less chaotic morning, mm-hmm. maybe you should consider getting your kids to bed on a certain time, packing their backpacks the night before, prepping lunches or meals the night before. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to, if you know that you're working outside the home and your kids are coming home from school and you don't want to be, you know, running around for dinner, maybe you should consider doing meal prep. Or maybe if you don't like to meal prep, maybe it'd be worth it for you to outsource and do a meal delivery service a couple nights a week to give you that time. Mm-hmm. So really kind of look at the, look at your life and look at what your priorities are and what are the things that we're going to have to do that are going to make, you know, make our lives a little bit more difficult and how can we simplify that? Mm, That is a really good one. I've had couples who have used their time in sessions to come up with that and say, Hey, you know, like maybe we can do the meal service for a while because we're bored or with, we're both withdrawing types or it we're chaotic or one of us is resentful. 
because I know we're going to talk about that too, but sometimes only one spouse is on the page. So it's nice to say, where are we feeling triggered in our marriage and family? Wow. I'm an eight. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, and my husband's a three, so we both have really thick skins and neither one of us is afraid to speak our minds. Mm. I recognize that that's harder for a lot of other numbers. Something that to me is like, you're just stating a fact or asking for help. You know, mm-hmm. that doesn't always come easy to certain types. And that is, that's an, if that's an area where you feel like you need to work on, then I, I say invest the time to work on those things because I've seen so many people either martyr their way through life because they expect their spouse to be a mind reader or, Mm -hmm. and I see so much strife in marriages as one of the things, I mean, clearly, you know, you're the, you're the marriage counselor. I'm not, but Mm -hmm. so many times I will meet with a couple and one spouse, and it's not always the wife doing all the things. There are times where the husband's like, you know, I feel like I'm doing something, I'm doing everything. And, you know, she doesn't understand me. And I think really having that communications piece with your spouse is so important. And if you don't feel like you're getting enough or that your spouse is pulling their, their weight when it comes to this division of labor, specifically with, you know, whether it's physical chores or time or whatever it is, figuring out a way to have that communication is very important Mm. for your success. Yeah. Yeah. That is a really good tip that you don't have to be the martyr. You can figure it out. And even if it means hiring somebody that you never thought you would to clean your house once in a while or on a regular basis or budgeting in somebody to help you with making masks. Now we literally have masks to worry about again with COVID being rampant. It's just the sky's the limit on, and some people even make money doing that where they're like, you know what? I have a side hustle. I I do know somebody in my course who makes masks. So it's, we're all shifting once again in culture. And I guess I'm just hearing you say, don't be afraid to make important shifts. Even if your pride is hurt a little bit, is that true? Totally. And the other thing is, especially when it comes to organization, people, organization is a learned skill. And I joke that I was born with the organizing gene. And yes, again, even through my work with, Mm-hmm. studying the Enneagram and clutter. Yes. There's certain types that, you know, naturally seem to, you know, I have a larger portion of these types of these types tend to, you know, be in my profession or I see them as being organized, but any type can be organized and any person can learn skills and finding the skills is something that is, is achievable for anybody. But there's this, again, it could be pride. It could just be this false, you know, narrative that we've told ourselves that we should just be able to know how to do these things. Mm. And that's just not, that's just false. That is just false. And whether you go so far as to hire, uh, you know, if, if this is, if clutter and organization is an area that you are specifically struggling with in your marriage, in your home, there's no shame just like going to a marriage counselor or or getting help, you know, to get a personal trainer or whatever. There's no shame in hiring a professional to help you with that. But even if you don't want 
or aren't financially in a position to hire a professional organizer, there's so many great resources out there from podcasts to books to articles that you can, as long as you're connecting with somebody that you feel understands your pain points, mm-hmm. you can you can be taught these skills. Nobody's a hopeless cause. And that's really what I want to tell people because so many people just wave that white flag in their head and go, ah, I'm just, I'm destined to be disorganized or live with clutter because that's all I know. And that's, I just want to tell people that doesn't have to be that way. Wow. That's really, really nice to hear because I don't want anyone feeling hopeless. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I mean, and I think it's, you know, it's, it's just a lot like, you know, living in debt, you know, sometimes people feel like I'm so far in, I'm just always going to be in debt. Mm. Well, no, that doesn't have to, you know, we, we can chip away. And I always tell people cluttered and accumulate overnight. You're talking about changing habits. You're talking about changing behavior. Some things are easier to change and adapt than others. Some things it's just like, you know, oh, I didn't think of that. And now I can do it. And some things are about kind of unlearning bad behavior. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it it's never true. Like you could start today. You know, you don't have to undo all the bad stuff. You can start today and start developing new habits moving forward. And that's really what I tell people all the time. Mm, that's important. And when you watch a show like Hoarders, you really see how people chip away and sometimes communities come together. And some people listening are probably hoarders or no hoarders, but a lot of people have just clutter and it isn't to that level. So what tips do you have for people as they're getting started other than don't be afraid to field it out? Don't be afraid to go slowly. And you said, don't be able, don't be afraid to hire out or to be creative. Anything else that you think, gosh, this is so essential for them to remember. So, I mean, I guess from like a really big, broad stroke tactical thing, I'll walk you through kind of the four ways. If you have a space that you're going to be organizing just for anybody that's listening. Mm -hmm. So I always say start small, which again, seems like a load, you know, like duh, obvious, (laughs) but I think for, for people there's, we want to start building that that momentum. You want to start getting those small wins under your belt. And Mm -hmm. so whether you're starting with a drawer, you're starting with a shelf, you're starting with a cabinet, you're starting with a one bin or basket, start there Mm -hmm. and set that parameter. And that's actually one of the tips that I use specifically for my Enneagram ones who as, you know, really like to see something through from start to finish. Mm -hmm. Um, But this is really something that I practice with every Enneagram type. So you Mm -hmm. take that, this is a great tip for getting the kids involved because you give them something small, that's something actionable. And I use what I call my ESP method and the Mm -hmm. ESP method stands for empty sort and purge. And what you want to do is you want to empty that space. And that's again, why I say start small. You're talking about one bin, one drawer. I'm not saying empty your entire garage. I'm talking about emptying one shelf of a garage or one cabinet of a kitchen. Mm -hmm. So that's the empty that allows you two things. It allows you, first of all, to just kind of clean the space if it's something that needs to be cleaned, but it also allows you to look at it through a blank slate. So what do you want this space to look like? What do you want it to function as? What do you want to live there? And it's very hard to see the forest through the trees. So getting all of the clutter, getting the whatever's 
in there out allows you to do that. Mm-hmm. And then the second thing it, that you do, so that's your empty, the mm-hmm. S is your sort. And when you sort, you're going to start grouping things with like, with like, that's what I do. I start putting things into categories. So depending mm-hmm. on what space it is, you're going to be putting, mm-hmm. if it's toys, you're going to be putting all the Legos together, all the Barbies together, all the whatever. If it's your kitchen, you're going to be putting whatever, you know, was in that drawer cabinet, whatever. So you're just going to be starting to group things together, like with like, and that gives you an idea of your volume. Mm -hmm. And then once you can see that, then you can go through that, the P, which is the purging process. And the way that you approach the purging process, or the way that I approach the purging process is by using this four pile method. And I do this for every space. So it doesn't matter what physical space I'm organizing. I ESP everything and I always do these four piles. So you can apply this in any room of the house. Wow. So your four four piles are going to be keep, which is not just keep, but keep in that space. Okay. So it's, I'm going to keep it and I'm going to keep it here. Then you have your donate pile. So that's obviously anything that is in good condition, but you're no longer using it, wearing it, and it's going to go to somebody else. So that's Mm -hmm. pile number two. Mm -hmm. Then pile number three is going to be your recycle pile. That's anything that's trash or recycling. It's broken, stained, damaged, missing pieces, what have you. So Mm -hmm. that's going to go. And then your fourth pile is called your relocate pile. And your relocate pile is stuff that you want to keep, but it doesn't need to live there. Hmm. Mm. So that can fall into several different categories. It could mean I was hanging a picture and I left the hammer up in my bedroom. I want to keep the hammer, but it doesn't need to live there. Mm. It could mean my kids were fighting with a Nerf gun and I grabbed the Nerf gun and shoved it on the top of the refrigerator. Mm. So Mm -hmm. we're going to you might want to recycle the Nerf gun, but you know what I mean? You're going to take it down. It doesn't need to live there, but it could also be, this is something that is a keepsake of mine, right? I have this fill in the blank and it's sitting in my closet. I know I'm never going to wear it, but I don't want to get rid of it. I want to keep it. It's a keepsake. It's a memory. So I don't need it to take up space in my current rotation. So I'm going to move it to a memory keepsake area. Mm-hmm. So those those are the four piles that I go through. So once you go through that process, you can then just take that one keep pile mm-hmm. and know, okay, this is probably a fourth of what we started with. And then I can go back and organize it, contain it, set oh. it up in a system. Oh, that's really cool. And it sounds like the method is simple enough that you can even teach children, most children, I would imagine. I I started teaching this with my kids when they were two years old and it was before I even had a name for it. And it was before I was even starting my business. And then I, again, when you systemize something to scale it, to share it and teach it to other people. That's how I came up with the organizing ESP. And fun fact, I used to teach an organizing seminar. I mean, I still would do it. I just haven't done it since COVID. Um, transitioning to, with kids, teaching them organizing strategies. And, and the ESP is one of the easiest ways for you to teach your kids to organize. Mm. 
Wow. That is so helpful. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) I'm just picturing myself earlier today when I was in the middle of something and I said, you know, here's your job. And then to one of them, here's your job. But I didn't have that rubric. So I just said to my daughter who was in charge of that area, I said, this is overwhelming. See this counter, how it gets five or 10 things on it. When I ask you to clean the kitchen, I need you to do this pile, but I didn't have a way to organize it. You know, and I was trying to be as sweet as I could, but I love how there's a a rhyme here with it and a rhythm. Yeah. And the other thing, and we've all fall into this, this, you know, this camp at some point Mm -hmm. is speaking in generalizations. And I think when it comes to organizing and clutter, you need to be very specific. The more specific that you can give instruction, the Mm -hmm. easier it will be for people to execute it. And I've seen so many parents go, I tell my kid to go up and clean their room. And I go in there and everything's just shoved under their bed or in their closet. Well, there's, and, and I understand. And because there isn't a, first of all, uh, what, what do we mean by clean? What do we mean by organize? What do we mean by declutter? You know? And so by specific, being specific of saying, I need you to go and take all your dirty clothes and put them in the hamper. I need you to pick up all of the toy, you know, all the toys and put them in their appropriate bins, being very specific gives them very little room for ambiguity. And even as adults, we do this with one another. So the more specific that we can be, it really comes down to having the communication and having that language to be able to understand just helps to avoid so much resentment, arguments, and all of the emotion that -hmm. comes with the stuff that really doesn't need to, that doesn't need to be there. Mm, Yes. And I'm really happy you're letting us know that because I think this is what's going to draw our listeners more to your website and your email sequence. Um, Before we get to that, I have a final question because I really want to ask one more marriage piece. And I alluded to it earlier. Tell us what to do when one of the spouses just isn't in it and, and it's getting in the way of the marriage and there's another spouse saying, I'm just hurting and I'm angry. We had somebody on earlier last season who gave us great tips about being generous and being the example, as you and I said, with the Enneagram, but what else for a tangible tip for a spouse who's unwilling to help in that way? Besides send them to me, which I know is yeah, a good was, tip. <laughs> you know, I, and it's, it's always such a tough question because, mm-hmm. you know, and I want to give a really thoughtful answer. You know, yeah, I, I've been very fortunate that I think when my husband and I are both, you know, if we're doing something that we don't realize is hurting the other person, if when we bring it to the other one's attention, we'll make a change because even if the even if what they're asking, if my husband thinks that my request is ridiculous, if he knows that it's bothering to me and it has value to me, that's more important than something that I'm doing that, you know, he thinks is what you're, you're making more work or whatever it is. Right. And it really comes down to having that mutual respect and understanding why, again, I think for people, you need to do what's starting, what's important for you. Um, when it comes to organization and clutter, I specific in, 
in your marriage, I say, do what's important and communicate with your spouse. If your spouse isn't on board and you explain to them why, I mean, for me, I'm I'm actually going to backpedal for a second. Mm-hmm. When I used, when my kids were small, my husband traveled a lot, like I said, and it was really important for me when I was trying to get through homework and dinner and clean up from dinner and tubby time and, you know, bedtime stories and all that stuff that the kitchen was clean before we did that. Because I knew once I sat down and, you know, read them a bedtime story that I was going to be spent for the night. Mm -hmm. And I knew that for myself coming down to a sink full of dishes, like I, I can't go, I'm one of those people. I can't go to sleep with dishes in the sink. I need to come down to a clean Mm -hmm. kitchen. That's important to me. Mm -hmm. And so that's a priority. Mm -hmm. And so I knew that before we go up to start our bedtime ritual, Mm -hmm. this kind of goes back to setting those routine parameters in place. Mm -hmm. I needed to make sure the kitchen was clean, Mm -hmm. but I also wanted to spend quality time with my kids. Um, you know, again, and I'm sure you've done episodes that talk about love languages and things like that. And one of my kids love languages, quality time. And even if they're not, I wanted to spend time with them. Mm -hmm. And so I was very transparent with both of my girls that it's important. Like one of our family rules principles is we clean up the kitchen after we're done eating. Like that just is, that's just the way it is. Mm -hmm. And so the more that we can do this together as a team and help out, mm-hmm. the more time I'm going to have to spend with them. Mm-hmm. Because if I have to do this all by myself, then that's just going to take up more time. So this is going to happen. But if we chip in together and you help me by unloading dishes or, or whatever it is, or you pick up the toys while I'm doing this, or the house is tidy, then we can have more time to read a book, watch TV, talk, whatever it is, fill in the blank. And so when I was able to share that value proposition with them, it was easier for them to have the buy-in. Now I could certainly have just said, this is what you're doing, but in marriage, you're not, it's way more of a give and take. And you're hopefully not barking orders, you know, and telling your spouse what to do. It's more of a partnership. And so understanding where your non-negotiables are. Mm-hmm. so that you don't have the resentment because really like you shouldn't be resentful because of dishes, they're dishes, mm-hmm. but it's not about that. It's about the fact that you feel that you're the one doing all of this. You're the one carrying the weight of the heavy lifting. And so again, getting that language to say, this is how you can help not just say, this is how I feel. But again, if you're talking and then to throw in like kind of the Enneagram piece to it, If somebody's coming at me with a real feeling dominant and I'm not a feeling person, you know, without Enneagram wisdom, I might just be like, suck it up, get over it. Mm -hmm. So really being able to understand the Enneagram Mm -hmm. and recognize that, okay, this person is, you know, they're showing, showing their vulnerability Mm -hmm. by expressing this, like that's a big deal. Yes. Ah, that's a really good reminder is for both spouses to know that. And for you to think about if you're approaching your spouse in a way that's not really connecting with them or honoring their, their style and their way of relating, 
they might be feeling offended in a way you've never imagined. And they may be frozen or even as we both know, feeling everyone listening knows feeling that availability bias of believing they're doing more and not feeling that you're doing more. So that complexity really gets helped when you're saying you're going a little bit deeper, doing your Enneagram work together, approaching them with more curiosity than condemning. And I love that. Um, I feel so much better after talking to you just in terms of my own systems improving. And I feel like just following through with your email system has helped as well. Can you tell people where they can find you because they might need that? They might need actual coaching from you and to do one of your courses. We would love to hear about this, Lori. Thank you. I really, I appreciate this. And yeah, I, I hope everyone got some takeaways, but absolutely. I would absolutely. Love to, I'd love to connect up with your people. So the best place to go is my website, which is simply the letter B like boy organized.com. From there, you can hop on and subscribe to, um, you know, any of our emails we've got, I specifically have stuff relating to the Enneagram and clutter, but I also have lots of other free checklists and resources. If there's a specific like area of the home that's stressing you out. So, I mean, there's lots and lots of ways to connect up with me. Wow. I love your eight energy. (laughs) Yeah. It's well, thank you. I also have a podcast, which I'm sure you'll link to as well. So anybody that wants to listen it's called This Organized Life. And you can connect to it from my from my website as well. And we did a whole Enneagram and Clutter series. So, you know, the, the regular podcast isn't exclusive to Enneagram stuff, but obviously that's a big focus. And we're going to be working on some more Enneagram related topics because it uh, seems to be super popular for people and, and wanting mm-hmm. to learn that. And then, Ooh, wow. and then, yeah. And then again, like I said, I do, I do private coaching, but I also recently released um, this course or this framework that I've been working on for like three years, um, connecting the dots between clutter and the Enneagram. And we walk through mm. really a lot of what we talked about today, but in a little bit deeper dive in terms of the three types of clutter, the five clutter pitfalls. Um, we talk about triads and stances, the three centers of intelligence, and then really go into specific tactics for each Enneagram type. So if that's a, a, a tool that you think will be helpful for you and your family, um, I'd love to offer you guys a uh, promo code. We'll give a link to the course. And if you guys type in the code marriage, you can get 20% off any of the offerings that we have. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. We are so grateful. This is just going to help our school year. And if you're not in school or your spouse isn't, or your kids aren't just your organized life to be so much healthier together. And doesn't mean you're going to be perfect at it, but it means you're taking a huge step in the right direction. And even if you said people feel overwhelmed by your eight energy, they won't feel overwhelmed when they see as you just said, you're gifted with organization and always have been. And I meet a lot of eights who are, and there's some who aren't, but many who are being in the body triad. A lot of you guys really have that deep down. So it's a gift that they can receive from you. And then that gift can keep on giving if you actually want to make a deeper connection with Lori. So we are so grateful, Lori. Thank you for setting our fall up beautifully. 
Oh, well, thank you for the work that you're doing and for allowing me to share my little corner of the world with Mm. your audience. So thank you. Oh, well, thanks for making our corners neater. We love you. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. You heard where you can find Lori over at Simply Be Organized. And I am so hopeful that you will check out the show notes because I've got her information right there along with the other goodies we talked about. I have more fun freebies coming for you guys. And I'm so excited. My awesome editor, Julie, I'll be sharing her information soon with you all because she is a fantastic editor if anyone needs one. But she has really been doing an amazing job of revising my freebies and they are just looking amazing. So as a one, I just thank her so much for being so good with organization herself. I hope that you will enjoy just continual working on your relationships and being in your relationships, not working just on them, but doing that work and then enjoying the fruits of those labors so that you can just relax and love each other. Okay, I will talk to you soon. Have a great day and love living intentionally with you guys. Talk to you soon. Bye.